Mac Power Users, episode 726, journaling update, Apple's new app, day one updates, and more. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users and Happy New Year. I'm Stephen Hackett and I'm joined by my friend and your friend, Mr. David Sparks. Happy New Year to you as well, Mr. Hackett. It's yeah. uh, really fun starting a new year out with my buddy Steven on the Mac Power Users. Mm-hmm. And we have the world's clunkiest episode title. I worked on that for quite a while. I was like, how do I, how do I bring this down so it's shorter? I just couldn't do it. So Yeah. I mean, you could have asked AI, right? I know. We're in Notion. It's just right there. I should have done it. Uh, but yes, yeah. this is the long-promised uh, look at Apple's journal app and the Suggestions API. We've got a lot of stuff there to cover. Uh, But first, you have an announcement. Yeah, I am very pleased to announce the Productivity Field Guide will be releasing to the public on January 9th, just a couple days after this show drops. And um, we're going to cover it next week on Mac Power Users. This is a different one for me. You know, it's not an app focus. It's kind of a productivity journey, both mine and sharing my experience and hopefully inspiring you to, to figure yours out. and. Uh, just something I've been working on for seven years. It's a long story. We'll talk about it next week. But the the short version for today is uh, it's available in two days. At If you go to maxsparky.com or learn.maxsparky.com, uh, if you use code PFGMPU, Productivity Field Guide Mac Power Users, PFGMPU, you get 10% off. And uh, we'll talk more about it next week. But I'm I'm very happy to get this one into the world. Yeah, I know this has been on the on the... In the oven? Where, how, where do field guides come from? Maybe that's too complicated to answer. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's a seven-year journey. Seven-year journey. I mean, yeah. that's like um, you grow an entire set of cells every seven years. So the, mm-hmm. it's like a different person that started that one. But uh, now, right. it's, now it's out there. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll get into that next week. Um, super excited to, to hear from you about that. Uh, and today on More Power Users, which is the longer ad-free version of the show, you can learn more about that. There's a link right in the show notes. Uh, we're going to check in with you because this marks one year since you sort of hung it up as a lawyer and went full-time Max Sparky content uh, creator, maker of field guides, podcaster extraordinaire. And we're just going to check in on that. So, Except I want to correct you. Two years. Is it two years? Yes, it's wow. two years. Wow. I even wrote yeah, I one know. year in the document. Man, two yeah, years. I, I switched it to two. I switched it to two. But okay. yeah, two years, man. Oh yeah, look but at you this, know what? January 2022. I, I needed the second one to get to where I am now, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. I, <laughs> I have thoughts. I missed a whole year. Look, this is the podcast equivalent of signing the wrong date on your check. Young people won't know yeah. what that means, but we know what it means. Yeah. yeah and, right. uh, so I've just done that now with you, but we're going to check in on two years of Indie Sparky. All right. Journaling. You know, that was one of the, that was one of the first episodes we did when you joined. We did a deep, deep uh, um, journal uh, journaling episode on day one, and um, it's been now many years since then, and the landscape has changed quite a bit. Uh, day one is still around. We're going to be talking about that, but there's also an app from Apple, and uh, there's a, a growing movement towards analog journaling. And I thought we should just let's let's cover the territory, buddy. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Uh, I think we should start with. What do we even mean by journaling? What is this practice? What is the role of this practice? 
Yeah, I, I feel like this is a fundamental question on journaling. If you want to get into it, is you need to first answer the question, why am I doing this? Because there are a lot of different motivations for journaling, and the motivation you choose really will dictate the way you do it. And if you want to be successful, you need to start out understanding what it is you want. Like, I think a lot of people think of journaling as kind of like the legacy thing where I'm going to write down these deep thoughts and my grandchildren are going to read it and it's going to help them through their lives. And I'm going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, that's fine if you want to do that, but that changes the medium and, and how you go about doing it. And, and I, I'm not judging. I think that's, that's a, that's a perfectly good reason to journal. However, I don't do that. Uh, my my goal of journaling is to make myself better today. It's um, a self-reflective process. You know, there's all kinds of ways people get insight to themselves. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've never done therapy, but like the way I understand therapy is like the therapists never tell you what to do. They try to just like lead you along the path until you figure out, oh, yeah, you know, I'm in an abusive relationship or I need to get, you know, treat myself better, whatever it is that you get out of therapy you eventually get to your own conclusion. Well, journaling to me is is the therapist. I By me writing stuff down, I get more insight as to what I'm thinking, and I help course correct myself. Mm-hmm. So that that's my goal for journaling. Uh, just an interesting side story is uh, lately the meditations of Marcus Aurelius keep co- coming up. I think they're just really entering popular culture. Uh, Ryan Holiday you know, uh, talks about stoicism a lot, and, and that's got it out there. We just watched The Holdovers on Christmas. I don't know if you've saw that movie. It's a really good movie, by the way. Um, but it's about this ancient history teacher who's, you know, kind of broken and blah, blah, blah. But at Christmas, he gives everybody a copy of the Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, you know. And so that's like the the, the journal that everybody looks at. But the, the funny thing about it is uh, Marcus did not write it to be published. Hmm. Meditations to him was just notes to himself about, he was the you know he was the ruler of uh, of Rome right he was the the emperor of Rome he didn't want to screw up and he kept writing himself notes about how to be a better leader and how to be a better person and everybody thinks that he wrote this for the ages and he wrote it just for himself i don't think he ever intended for anyone else to read it as as the um, as the story goes but but so so you know that was a long story to say you can also do journaling as a, as a daily practice to help yourself without yeah. really making it into a legacy thing. In fact, I would recommend if you want to do the legacy thing, um, get like a book and write down the gems. Don't tell them about the days that, you know, you woke up feeling crappy. It, it doesn't really help, but that that's a whole different reason to journal. And the purpose of your journaling plays a role in the tool set you pick. Like, uh, it really makes a difference. Like mm-hmm. to me, I don't care about my kids reading the stuff. In fact, because I'm so honest with it, I'm not sure I want them to read it. And um, so the um, the journal I write is I don't care about, you know, making it something that they can find after I'm dead or whatever. I just mm-hmm. want to make sure I can turn it into something I use. And that really affects, you know, how you do it. So right. the, the, the first question to answer to yourself is what am I doing as a journaler? Yeah, I, th- I think that's a great place to start. You know, for me, a, a, a large part of my journaling over the years starts with a photo. A lot of my journaling is sort of cataloging memories. And so for me, something like day one makes a lot of sense as opposed to analog journaling. Uh, but also mixed in there are those sort of, you know, long text entries that are are more introspective. 
And the way I approach it is exactly the way you approach it is this is for me. This is for me to process things. This is for me to think through things on paper. I think you and I are very alike in the fact that we think through writing uh, <laughs> that I don't really know what I think about something until I sit down and start writing about it. And, and that's where this fits in for me. And I don't really think about who may read it in the future. It's not for my kids. It's not for anybody else's. It's just for me. And I think that that those answers are going to be different for everybody. And I think also it's okay if that changes over time. You know, when I started journaling like 10 or 11 years ago, started taking it seriously, I was not seeing a counselor. And now I do. And, you know, there are things that I write about that, you know, then I go talk about <laughs> with my therapist. And then things that we talk about together, you know, feed back into it. And so it's changed for me over time. And that's fine because I've changed over time and what I want and need out of it has changed over time. So I think it's one of those things people can be too precious about or like, yes. uh, you know, it's the new notebook problem, right? It's the, oh, I don't want to start writing in this notebook because what if I change what it's going to be used for or like that that doesn't matter. This shouldn't be precious. It's It's a tool like anything else. And it's totally okay if you get three months into it or three decades into it and change gears. That's totally fine. Yeah, totally. And I, I really think that it's a, um, uh, I guess I should have started with, should you journal? And I, I, I do think you should. Yep. I, if you've, if you've never done it before, it really, I find it incredibly insightful. I've, I've got an over 30 year meditation practice and a journaling practice. And I think those two things together have made my life better. They, they make me a better person. It makes it easier to deal with challenges. I just, I don't know. I just dig it uh, that I've got this insight. I was telling one of my kids about it and said, you know, the thing is, if you ever saw Harry Potter with the pensive, yeah. you know, uh, and the thing where he can go into his memories and, and look around them. Well, in the, actually in Harry Potter, you look at other people's memories, but this to me is a human pensive. It, I write it down and it allows me to look at events of my life from different angles once I write it down and and I'm a big fan of it and it's never been easier because now you've got a free app on your phone that lets you do it and mm -hmm. um, and I, I guess we should um, uh, just kind of talk about let, let's uh, let's just spoil it here how are we journaling we're, we're going to share a lot of methods here but let's just go in telling everybody what we're doing yeah mine has not changed with the advent of the journal app, which we are going to cover in great detail in just a few minutes. Um, yeah. But I'm using day one. I continue to use it and love it and pay for it yearly um, with some handwritten stuff as well, like in a field notes notebook. And those pages will get uh, photographed or scanned into day one. Um, and it's been that way for a long time. Uh, if, if I ever go through like old home screen images, day one has been there for like a decade. It's been there a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with day one is you get the advantage over time of that, like this day in history kind of yes. button. And with me having so much in there, and like you, I also journal memories. And it just brings me no end of delight to see these old pictures of days we spent together. Like through the holidays, it was spitting up a lot of oh, yeah. holiday uh, memories to me. And I, I really love that. I can see myself someday when I'm this old guy drooling on myself, uh, just, just looking at these day one entries and, and smiling. So, uh, I think that's, that's a big benefit of, of that app. Uh, my answer to that is it's, it's kind of complicated, but it's, it's not really that complicated. 
Mm-hmm. Every year around November, December, I start getting itchy about January. I, you know, because I'm Max Sparky, I'm always trying different apps and tool sets. And there's something about January 1st. I kind of want to have my working tool set in order for the year on January 1st. Doesn't make any sense, but there you have it. So uh, as we were heading in, I was thinking seriously about the idea of switching to analog journaling. I, I've added some analog elements to some of my productivity stack uh, last year. It, it just, you know, to help, I called that last mile stuff. We've talked about it on the show. And I got thinking, well, maybe I should just switch over to analog journaling. I mean, there are so many people that love analog journaling. And if you go on YouTube, there's a, they're all telling you how meaningful it is and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I, I I experimented with it last year, and then I even took the uh, the bullet journal course from writer Carol, and uh, I, I look went through it all. I, I did some experiments. Ultimately, as I hit January one, and I had to make a decision, I'm in day one. I'm not good at analog journal. You know, what I mean, sometimes I may write some stuff down and scan it, but I I still think that I can get meaningful journaling out of a digital tool. And in a lot of ways, I get better journaling out of a digital tool because I can dictate to it and do, mm-hmm. you know, add pictures and things. So, uh, you know, kind of going in, both Stephen and I are in the bag for day one. Uh, just paid for my annual subscription, you know, renewal as well. Uh, but I do have some analog stuff. I do a little bit of logging in Obsidian, but that's kind of work tracking stuff. It's not really journaling stuff. Um, and, uh, and we're both day one people still after yeah. all these years. After all these years, it continues to be a great, a great product. One thing people always uh, bring up, or, or and it's worth discussing, is the level of privacy and security you have with a digital journal, right? If you're journaling in a notebook that's always in your back pocket, as long as the notebook doesn't get stolen by somebody you, or you leave it behind on the subway, you know you have physical access to it. You can you can put it in your safety deposit box or whatever. But when you're doing this digitally, obviously that's different, right? You have data that's either on your device and or syncing to someone else's server or to iCloud or something like that. And so uh, whatever you are looking at, uh, end-to-end encryption really is key. That means that the data on the day one servers or on the iCloud server or whatever else software you're using, that the people who manage those servers cannot see your data, right? That is critically important in this realm. And this was not always the case for day one. They added end-to-end encryption several years ago now, but it is something to consider when you look at these, at these applications, how is my data being stored? How is it being synced? Is it encrypted? And the end-to-end encryption in day one and uh, the journal app and some others, it's all, it doesn't get in the way. It's really simple. Uh, I think end-to-end is on by default now on day one when they rolled it out, there was a, a little kind of uh, step you need to take to turn it on. I did it instantly and it was totally fine. Uh, but that is something, if you're looking at software to do this, uh, that should be very high on your list of features that you you want to make sure you understand what it's doing and how it's doing it. Yeah, and it really gets to the bottom of, you know, why are you journaling? If you are journaling to make yourself better, you have to be completely honest with those journal entries. And yep. sometimes when you're feeling uncomfortable about something, you need to write it down. That's that's if you want that pensive effect, you've got to put, you've got to commit it. And that's why you need a system that has end-to-end encryption and you can feel comfortable 
putting into a digital system that's not going to go somewhere. Like putting it on a Microsoft Word doc and syncing it through Dropbox, that's not going to cut it. You know, it's I feel like that's that's a bad idea. You need end-to-end encryption. And that's why I really recommend if you want a journal, get a tool that has it. And and you know, the two big ones we're talking about, the journal app and and day one both have end-to-end, but you know, there's other ways to do it. People who journal Obsidian, if you use Obsidian Sync, they have end-to-end encryption. It, you know, end-to-end encryption is not rare these days, but it's not universal. So mm-hmm. just make sure wherever you're going to put these intimate journal entries that you uh, you got yourself protected. Like uh, we wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I see a bunch of people doing it in Notion. I would not do it in Notion. I mean, we're Notion fans. We run the show out of Notion, but it's not an end-to-end encrypted solution. And I don't think you should put a journal in there. Agreed. So that brings us to Apple's entry uh, into the market. Uh, and that comes in kind of two phases. We have the journal app for iPhone, but we also have the journaling uh, suggestions API, which powers the journal app as well as some other things. And normally talking about an API, which is a, a, a service within the operating system, that's normally not something we would get into great detail on on MPU, but I think it's really important because what Apple has built here is not only a journal app for their phone, but they've built the plumbing so other apps like Day One and Everlog and others can tie into this new system. And that is like Apple at its best. I don't mind Apple moving into a market and building something of their own, but it's even better when they do it and provide OS level services that third party developers can take advantage of. And that's what that's exactly what they've done here. And there have been times Apple hasn't done that, but they they did it here. Uh they've done it with other things like Apple Maps, right? You can plug Apple Maps data into your uh into your third party app or whatever. But I am extremely happy the way that Apple has has taken this route of doing both things. Yeah, Apple at its best, you took words right out of my mouth. I feel like um they said, we're going to bring a journal app, but we're going to make every journal app better at the same time. Mm-hmm. because, And we're going to provide a secure way for journaling apps to, you know, to access memories and things that, you know, triggers for journaling that you may not otherwise. You know, they, yeah. they can't open up the entire phone to day one to go, you know, sift through it and find things that you may want to journal about. But Apple can. And then they can choose to share that with day one in a secure way, which is what they've done. And I, uh, yeah, hats off. I mean, more of this Apple. I love, I love it when they do stuff like this. Yeah. So let's get into the journaling suggestions API. Uh, I, I, I do have some, I, I debated this. I do have some documentation from Apple in the show notes. If you want to go like, see what they say about it, if you're so inclined, but at the high level, this is an API. So this is a service within iOS that senses your usage across your phone and across a bunch of different apps, including the content that you're enjoying, locations you visit, and can securely and privately suggest that content based on your actions to Apple's journaling app and others. And you may think, oh my gosh, my phone is tracking everything I do. 
this is built on top of some other technology that things like handoff and some other things are are built on. The system already can accept activity data from a bunch of different types of apps. And this is a new use case kind of built on top of those shoulders. And currently, this is all powered by native Apple apps, like Apple Music, Apple Podcast, Photos, Fitness, the phone app, etc. So if you're like me and you listen to podcasts in Overcast, or maybe you use Spotify for your music, that content will not be suggested to this API. However, Apple does say third-party developers can adopt this, but this is early days, and we haven't seen that yet. So right now, this is primarily powered by Apple apps. And honestly, for me, going back to my use case I explained a second ago, a lot of my journaling is prompted by a photo. And so for me, to have journaling suggestions being powered by, you know, photos on this day years ago, or it can bring in the photo memory features from the photo app and you can bring those in. It can group photos based on location and and time. So like over the holidays, right, we went to Christmas over here and New Year's, New Year's Eve over here. It can bundle those together and suggest them as a journal entry all together. That's awesome. And I, I really like the, the way that that's working uh, but I do look forward to when more apps can provide content to this. Yeah, but you know, honestly, Apple's the the source that I want the most. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, at the same time, like I also don't really. I'm not really going to journal about like what I'm listening to in Overcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, usually, a podcast doesn't have that sort of influence on me, and if it did, I would just find the link and put the link in the journal, right? Or like OmniFocus, hey, uh, you should journal about the three things you did today. Uh, I'm not sure I want to do that. Yeah, there will be uses that make more sense than others, definitely. Uh, yeah. The the types of content that are supported, there's there's kind of five big buckets currently. So there's activity, so workouts and exercise. So you know it can detect, oh, I went for a walk. Maybe I want to have a journal entry about what I thought about on that walk. So it can provide the fitness data to a journal entry. You've got media, so music and podcasts. I'm listening to this. It made me think these things or feel these things. I want to write about it. And it even pulls in like the show art or the music or the artwork for the album, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, contacts, so people you're messaging and calling. Photos, which we talked about a second ago from your library or memories or even photos shared with you. And then significant locations, so places where time is spent. So I went to this small town in Mississippi where I have family. These are the photos I took uh, while we were there for New Year's, and it can kind of bundle all of that together. Yeah. It's cool. And and to your point, looking at this list, I don't know if I have any like super low-hanging fruit of what I would like added. Yeah. Agreed. And, but, you know, and, and the, the beauty of it is this works everywhere now. So they've already implemented it in day one. But it also works in Apple's journal app that we're going to cover in a yep. minute here. It's a very smart implementation. You know, they announced it in June. We didn't get it until recently. But uh, I've been working with it, and it generally works. It surfaces interesting things. Uh, we went out on New Year's Day to a place that you could probably get in one guess. And... uh then this morning it gave me a bunch of pictures saying, Hey, would you like to journal about this thing you did at Disneyland yesterday with your family? And, um, and I, 
I like that. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like the prompts and, you know, to the extent that your journal is a, is a memory device and this is going to be very helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's done in a way that is private and on device. So this stuff's not all getting processed by iCloud. It's, it's being processed on the phone. The phone has been, this API has been empowered with machine learning to sort through all the stuff on your device and make suggestions for you. It's not going off to some server farm somewhere. It's also private in the sense that the journal app or day one or other third-party app you're using, it can't actually see any suggestions until I say, take this suggestion and turn it into a journal entry. So I am the one, air quotes, promoting content out of the suggestion panel into the application. And at that point, of course, the app can see it because it's in the app and it's got to sync it or deal with it somehow. But it's up to me to choose what that what the journal app or what day one or these other apps can see. And so it may suggest things that you don't want in the journal app, right? Like, oh, I don't want, you know, I don't want people to know that I secretly listen to Windows power users, right? Uh, then... I don't ever have to bring that into a journal. So not only is it private and secure in the sense that it's just happening on your phone, but it's also private and secure in the sense that journaling apps, the reason this exists, can't see any information unless I tell it, turn this into an entry. And that's where I think the real work went into this in terms of thinking about security and privacy. I would not have thought about, oh, like, just because it's, in the suggested list, can all the can the apps see all of that stuff? Like that's why I, these people get paid the big bucks at Apple <laughs> to think about these things. And I really like the way that that has has settled out. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, it's modal. Like when you say, "I would like a suggestion," the suggestion API takes over your phone. It's not dropping all that stuff into the journal app. It's just saying, "Here are some things, David, that I see for you." Would you like to use one of these? And if I click one, then it goes back to the journal app and deposits it at that moment. So it really is uh, well thought out. I mean, this is, uh, I guess we've already said it, but Apple at its best, you know, finding a way to use all of that intimate data on your device and allow you to use it in a non-creepy way to, you know, better your life. And I feel like the mission accomplished here. Yeah. It is just on the iPhone. That, it is. That's something that is, that's weird, right? But um, maybe that's part of the reason is because of all this privacy and this API. And honestly, a lot of this data will primarily be on your phone um, because that's the thing in your pocket everywhere you go. I At first, I was kind of thinking of that as a bummer. But to be honest, I've been now using it for a few weeks and it it's really not that much of a of a hindrance. Yeah, I think the only bummer for me is that if if I want to write or edit longer entries, I'd rather do it on an iPad or a Mac, like with a hardware keyboard. Yeah. But from the suggestions perspective, the iPhone obviously is where this should be based. And because Apple's not syncing this data around with iCloud, it's not like I can open an app on my Mac and it has suggestions from my phone. Maybe that's coming. Maybe they'll enable that at some point. I don't think I would have a problem with that. Like if it's just syncing within my own iCloud stuff, because like my photos are already all on iCloud. My contacts are already in iCloud. Like not that big of a deal to me, but the, the journal app only being on the phone. Uh, I think some people find a little frustrating. Maybe we'll see it expand. I kind of think we will. 
but clearly they just, you know, they, they started with the most important device and I cannot fault them for that. Yeah. And in fairness, like I picked up a suggestion yesterday on my phone and added it to day one. And now that day one entry is in day one everywhere. Yes. So, like yes. Uh, you can be on your Mac and if you want to go more substantive into it, you can add later at a different device. Yes. That is one, uh, another point in the day one column for me, for sure. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Get 20% off 1Password. Just go to onepasswordcom MPU. 1Password really is a lot more than just a password manager. It's a security suite. With 1Password, you can protect yourself, your family, your workforce with simple security and easy secret sharing and actionable insight reports. One of my big goals for this month is I'm bringing on a person to help me with some of the customer support and kind of background stuff I do at Max Sparky. This is long overdue, but something I've always struggled with. Well, one of the first things I'm doing is setting up a 1Password account for that person. So we can have a shared vault. I can give her what she needs without giving her all the keys to the kingdom. It's exactly that granularity that I love about 1Password. Whether you're sharing it with coworkers or family or whatever, you can decide what gets shared and what doesn't, and 1Password securely does it for you. They have simple and secure sharing of passwords. You can quickly share any 1Password item from your desktop app or browser. At the same time, you're getting that entire suite of power tools for security from 1Password on the back end. They monitor and mitigate risks like potential data breaches. When you set it up, you have an additional secret key, which provides a unique extra layer of security and proven protection. It's private by default. They can't see passwords or sensitive information stored in 1Password, so they can't use it, share it, or sell it, and neither can anyone else. And they are regularly verified by third-party audits and one of the industry's largest bug bounties to help them act on threats before they can affect you. 1Password really is a company completely dedicated to your security, and in these days, that's exactly what you need. So I feel completely comfortable bringing this person on, giving her access to some of the passwords through a 1Password shared vault, but not all of them, and it's just going to be great. And I can't wait to get started with that, and 1Password is going to be right there for me. Whether you're working with your family or your coworkers, 1Password will be there for you. Go to onepasswordcom slash mpu to get yourself 20 percent off once again that's onepasswordcom slash mpu check it out and let them know you heard about it here on the mac power users so that brings us to the journal app itself uh we got a couple of links to some uh kind of reviews from from friends at six colors and mac stories those will be in the show notes tell us a little bit about the 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 basics of the app uh you know Basics is the right word for it. It's a journal app, right? I mean, the big piece of it to me is the suggestions, uh, but you can, uh, you know, you can journal on your phone with a free app and uh, uh, it uses, uh, you know, the security. So you can lock it up with face ID, touch ID. Uh, the data in your journal syncs with iCloud. So if you have two phones, uh, you'll see content on both. But it has to be a phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get it on your iPad or your Mac. So right. it, it's limited, really. I mean, I mean, and also who has two phones, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people do, but you know, it's not, uh, I would, I would imagine in that scenario, 
it's a personal phone and a work phone, and you yeah. wouldn't want this on your work phone, I don't think. Yeah, but I mean, I guess uh, the, the the it's got a minimal user interface. Like, w- watch the labs video if you want to kind of get a tour of it. But but I think basic. that's kind of I think that's kind of good for a journaling app. You just open it up and you start typing or dictating mm-hmm. to it. And this is something. Uh, this may be a repeating point for me today, but. If you are digital journaling, I can't recommend highly enough the idea of using voiced text dictation to do journal entries. And I'm not saying you do all of them that way, but often I do them when I'm thinking through a problem and I just start talking. And to me, like this is an advantage for me over analog journaling is analog journaling is very intentional, but I write slow. Whereas if I can just start talking, a lot of times I talk around a problem and start finding solutions just by talking and it's writing down everything I say. So I can go back and read it and kind of almost dissect the process later and edit it down if I want. But, but you get this with the Apple journal app, just like you get it with any other, you know, digital tool on, on iPhone, hit the microphone button and just start talking. And that's one of the ways I like to use, you know, journal apps, including this one. Uh, especially on a small device like a phone where I can't type that fast on the little keyboard. I definitely agree with, with, with all of that. I, I do a lot of dictation uh, into, a, into, into day one. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's fine. That this app is basic. Like if you look at the video or just like, if you have it on your phone at 17, iOS 17.2, it is very bare bones. And at first that turned me off a little bit. I was like, oh, this is like, minimal viable product kind of stuff but the more i've used it the more i've come to understand that they want the app just to get out of the way now it's not to say they're not features that i wish it had there certainly are and we'll talk about those but its simplicity should not turn you off i I don't think because the the key thing it's doing right is giving you these prompts via the suggestions api and then getting you to write or dictate to it and it does that flawlessly (laughs) When you first launch the app, you can customize what sorts of journaling suggestions you want. You can also enable a couple of different types of notifications. So you can have a notification when a new suggestion is ready. I had this on while preparing for this, and uh, it was interesting to see like how often in the background it was just like, oh, hey, these photos from yesterday are kind of grouped together. Or, uh, yeah. you know, oh, you were here. You know, do you want to have a journal entry about it? You can also, though, set up notifications for like a journaling schedule. So let's say, say that you have a, a goal for the year to journal every other day. Well, you can go in there and set, okay, send me a notification every other day at a set time. You only get one time a day. So you can't say, remind me at 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. Or 10 a.m. some days and 10 p.m. other days. It's a little limited in the customization. But I think for most people, and this is honestly how I do it. A lot of my journaling is either the very beginning of the day or the very end. And I think if you want those notifications, I think what they've given you is enough. I wouldn't mind a little more flexibility, but especially when you're starting out, I think the notifications may prove helpful for some people. Yeah. And uh, the the process of creating a new entry is really simple. You hit the plus button and you start typing or talking. I mean, that. There is no on-ramp here. You you load the app. It's obvious you hit the plus button and you start journaling. It's almost got like a drafts feel 
and how easy yeah. it is to get right. It does. And, and I think this is, if you've never journaled before, this is the perfect place to start with this and find out if it works for you or not. As, as you journal more, I don't think the notifications really are necessary. You'll start to know when you want to journal. Like sometimes it's like, um, it's like, I call it kind of clearing the cash in my brain. You know, mm -hmm. it's like you get like a lot in there. You know, I'm thinking a lot about this stuff. Let me write some of it down. Even like, you know, this is silly, but we talked earlier about how I went through that process of looking at analog versus digital journaling. Well, the way I figured out the answer was I journaled about it, you know, I mean, because to me, it's just like, it's just getting the thoughts out of my brain and onto a piece of paper or into a computer screen. And it's like, it just brings clarity. And then like, if I ever get tempted to, you know, say, well, I'm going to throw everything out and just get paper journals. I'll go back and read that entry and and look at my thought process so I don't have to do it again. You know, it's just stuff like that is is quite useful. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. When you go to create an entry, you hit that big plus button, and then the suggestions panel slides in. And this, at this point, you are in the realm of the journal suggestions API. Yeah. Where you've got a kind of two tabs you have recommended. So this is suggestions the API thinks are the most relevant to you. And then recent, which is basically all the suggestions based chronologically. And this view is the same in any app that is using the suggestions API. So in day one, when you create an entry from the suggestions from the system, the view is the same. And this is where you can pick, okay, I want to, I want to, choose this fitness activity or this set of photos or this podcast or this phone call as the start of my entry. It's simple, but again, I think it totally works. I even like the division of recommended and recent because uh, I would assume in reading the documentation that it will learn over time. Look, this guy's never going to write a journal about a phone call, right? And, and maybe yeah. it tunes some of those out and the recommendations. But if I do want to do it, it's over in the recents tab. And I, I like that division. And I think uh I think it's really useful to have to have both there. Totally agree. I think it's just well done, you know. And uh once you put an entry in, like this is a problem. Like you can change the date, but you can't change the time. Yeah. In fact, entries don't have time. Uh there's not like any editor for it at all. You can't even even like choose it. It's wild. And this, I feel like you and I are clearly day day one power users, right? Because mm -hmm. we've been using the app over a decade. But but I actually like that feature where like one of the things in day one I is do. you can drag in drag in a photo and it puts the date and time in from the photo uh, yeah. stamp and then the entry matches. So like if I want to journal about something I'm out in the world, I just take a picture and then later I create an entry on that and everything is done for me automatically. Not quite there with the journal app, but again, I think you know we are asking Apple to make this a power user app, and I don't think that's their intention. It's kind of like the iPad question, right? You got to use it where they made it and what they mm -hmm. want with it. They wanted to make something that has almost zero friction and makes it easy to make a journal entry, but doesn't give you all the bells and whistles of more advanced apps, and that's yeah. what they did. Yeah, yeah, you can the metadata you can control is location and date. And you can say, make my entry date and location based on what I've imported from the suggestions panel. 
the other thing you can do from the suggestions panel is you you don't have to import the whole thing. So say, let's go back to the example of uh, I went out yesterday with my family and I have a group of photos from uh, Disneyland. And I assume that's where you were. And yeah. these are the photos. And, and also in that bundle of suggestions is actual location information. And you can, when you go to the suggestion, you can actually scroll through. It's like a carousel. It goes horizontal. And you can say, actually, I don't want all these photos. I just want a few of them. Actually, I don't want the location for whatever reason. Again, I want all the metadata. Like I, I love that day one it even includes weather as metadata. I don't know why I love it. I just do. And so you can turn off unwanted, unwanted components or metadata from the suggestion when you import it into the journal app. And again, thought out very well, thought through very well. Some people, that's going to be really important to them for, for some one reason or another. And uh, you have that, that optionality. Yeah, I mean, on a privacy basis, journals and the journaling API are feature complete. I feel like they, they made sure all of that stuff was in there before they shipped it. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of just like convenience for journaling, there are several things missing. I mean, I, I think a, a time would be nice. Uh, yeah. You know, one that, that gets to me is multiple journals. I mean, if you listen, go back and listen to the original episode of MPU, I have, I honestly don't know how many journals I have. It's, hmm. it's over 20. Like I've got one called Woodshop. So any woodworking project, I want to take pictures of it and write thoughts about it down as I'm working through it. And then I can go back later and kind of see the evolution of the project. But I want to be able to, to just limit it to woodshop entries. You know, that that's a silly entry. I have one for my garden too, right? For tracking how my plants are doing. Uh, and more normal people would say, like have a personal journal and a work journal. And they'd want to, right? I, I take that to an unhealthy level. But that is something I like. And it, with the journal app, you get you get one. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah, I've got, I just opened day one. I have four. And the the all being mashed into one, it, yeah, I, I would want multiple journals. I could see Apple implementing this as tags instead of multiple journals that maybe because it also doesn't have any tagging. Um, yeah. So maybe that that feels like an Apple way to do it because that's how they do some things in notes and reminders in other places. But yeah, there's no way to to organize or to categorize, I guess, different different entries. Uh, you can filter entries by type, so you can say, "Show me all the entries that have photos in them, or all the or all the activity based uh, entries, or all the entries with location data." You can also bookmark types uh, or bookmark entries, and it shows up as a new filter type. But again, it's it's not search, right? There's no search in journal that I can find. There's no tagging. There's no multiple journal support. It is it is basic. But if you think about the overarching conversation we've had now over the last 120 years on the show, of like Apple's building tools for the 80% of people, most people probably wouldn't even think about multiple journals. Now, I do think some people would want search and some people may want time. Like there are different hierarchies here, Uh, but this is not as full featured as some other apps that have been around much longer. Yeah. And I'm not sure they even intend to make it that way. You know, I think they, they want a simple solution that makes it easy for people to journal about pictures with their family Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I don't even think that Apple's really thinking about journaling in the way I am about a self improvement tool. 
They just want you to be able to make nice, you know, memories and journal events, and they're going to solve for that. But, but the good news is there's a whole ecosystem of other apps out there. And a lot of times when Apple gets into a space, they actually make it better for everybody else in the space too, because people start using the journal app. And if they decide they want multiple journals and additional features, they go find a tool that gives them that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, 100%. I think we've seen that. uh, I think we've seen that over and over. And, and I think that if, if I were writing a journal app, I would, I would be glad the suggestions API was there. And I would also be glad that this app is, you know, is built for the masses, but it's also day one, right? This is, uh, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it like that. This is also the beginning of this app, right? This is version one. And think about how far notes and reminders have come over the years, right? We may get to a point if we check in on this in four or five years that it is, uh, or it has adopted all these things, but right now, right now they're not there. Yeah. So what is your recommendation at this point for the journal app? I mean, if someone comes to you and say, hey, should I be using this app? What do you tell them? I, I would say absolutely, absolutely you should. Uh, take advantage of the suggestions API to uh, to bring content in. Make use of, even maybe if you're just starting the notifications. I agree with you. I don't need them. I think people who, who this has become a practice don't need them. But I think it's useful starting out. Yeah, I would say absolutely. This this can be something that you can uh, start in and stay in for for a long time. Um, I think it's I think it's great. I'm I'm glad Apple's done it. There are some things I would want, but I think for people getting started or people who you know don't uh, or, or or can't do a subscription for an app like this, hey, this is on your phone. It's from Apple. It's going to be here forever, and those are all good things. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't cost anything. It's got the indent encryption. It's got all the basics. And I think for a lot of people, it, it's all you need. I mean, mm-hmm. I I think I'm an outlier with the way I journal and I use all the power features. I don't think most people do that. And if you don't need that stuff, then don't spend the money. Just get this and you're good. Yeah. And like you said, Apple is not going to, once they put it there, they're not going to take it away. So. Uh, you're good for for the duration, really, mm-hmm. with this app. Mm-hmm. I do have just like one little thing I want to touch on before we move on, and it's the data situation. We talk about this in notes, right? Like, how do I get data in? But more importantly, how do I get data out? Uh, yeah. Also, a bit of a concern in journaling apps. Day one has a bunch of import-export options. A bunch of these other apps uh, have it as well. Uh, there's nothing for journal. And because it's just on the iPhone, it's not like there's a Mac app that can like read the data off the disk and and export it or yeah. uh, Apple script could go in there and get stuff right. So the import and export story just isn't there in this app. And at some point, like if this comes to the Mac, I would expect Apple or a third party to solve for that. So if you're getting started in journaling and you start with the built-in free app, which again, we both totally recommend and you want to graduate to something else that may be tricky. Uh, if you want to bring that history with you, I don't think that's a showstopper because I think most people could just continue to use the journal app for a long time and be perfectly happy with it and really get a lot of use and benefit out of it. But I know that power users in the audience, including me and you, like we kind of look at that. And, and again, I think Apple, if they move this to the Mac at some point, I think that story will develop. 
Yeah, I mean, earlier I was talking about kind of if you want to do your own wisdom project for your grandkids, with day one, you could make a specific journal and just call it wisdom project. And when it gets enough entries in it, you push a button and day one prints a book with all those entries in it and sends yeah. it to you. It's the ultimate export, really, if you think about it. Exactly. Or or you could just save it as a PDF or whatever. I mean, they, they, there's all those options and there's none of them in the current iteration of the journal app. I do think that I'd be shocked if that doesn't get better over time. I feel like they know, right. That you're going to want to export these at some point. So Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like that's going to get solved. But then again, with Apple, sometimes you just never know. Right. Yeah. We'll find out together at some point, I guess. Uh, I guess, I guess we'll see where that goes. This episode of Mac power users is brought to you by NetSuite. If you have a business, you might be able to relate to this. Your business gets to a certain size and cracks start to emerge. Things you used to do in a day are now taking a week. You have too many manual processes and you don't have one source of truth. It's never a good feeling when everything in your business is disjointed. Too many processes in too many places. You want clarity and you want one place where all the important stuff can happen. The solution to untangling that disjointed feeling is NetSuite. NetSuite is a software company that has developed a cloud-based business management platform to help your team deal with key business processes like enterprise resource planning and financials, CRM, e-commerce, inventory, and more. If you don't want those cracks to emerge in your business, you should know three numbers, 36,000, 25, and 1. All right, so what do those numbers mean? Well, there have been 36,000 businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite, in fact, is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. And 25 is because NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. And one, because your business is one of a kind. So you can get a customized solution for all of your KPIs in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Having all the information you need in one place makes it so much easier to make decisions. I know as a business owner what a difference that can make and how much easier everything operates when information is available. It really does mean that smart decisions can be made faster. So go download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance. It's absolutely free, and you can find it at netsuite.com slash MPU. That's N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E, netsuite.com slash MPU. The link is in the show notes. Go there now, get that free KPI checklist, and make sure your business continues to thrive. Our thanks to NetSuite for their support of the show. We have an entry in here that Stephen added, and I just love the name of it. A sidebar on Sherlocking. <laughs> yeah, because I, I put something in the in the Notion document about, uh, oh, does journaling, does journal Sherlock apps like day one? And then I realized, I don't know if we've ever actually talked about Sherlocking on the show. Maybe we have, and if we have, I'm sorry. That's why we have chapters, uh, no. or if you know what it means. But... Uh, it's a term people have thrown around for a long time. I wrote a blog post about this. I'm going to try really hard not to faint when I say this. Over 10 years ago uh, on yeah. 512 Pixels about 
sort of the history of this. And basically back in like the, the late nineties, Apple shipped an app called Sherlock. We're talking like Mac OS 8.5 a long time ago. Yeah. And it could search files on your computer, but it could also search the internet. Now that's in like air quotes because really what the early versions of Sherlock did, like very specific, this is like before Google, this actually launched before Google these were like very specific websites, like websites that just tracked flights or websites that just had sports scores, right? And yeah. you could search basically locally cached copies of their data. It was a weird time on the internet in 1998. Yeah. Apple improved it, right? Over the years, they had version two uh, in, in 1999 with uh, a, an updated UI and better web search. In fact, if you go to the blog post, you can see some screenshots of this, like, oh, I want to search encyclopedia.com or Excite or InfoSeek, AltaVista, right? A bunch of these companies aren't around anymore. But it was really the, the Sherlocking term happened uh, in 2001, 2002. And so Sherlock Mac's app, uh, Apple's app on the Mac was getting better but in 2001, uh, a company called Corella Software launched Watson for OS X. And it was similar in nature, but had a very specific like three-column design. It kind of looks like Finder, if you look at the screenshot, where you could like go to Amazon and search for books and then search for popular characters and then search Disney. And then you would have a list of Disney characters, like find all the books that, you know, this character shows up in you could really drill down into things and it was of its time right there's a lot of pinstripes and aqua in these screenshots in fact in 2002 apple designed apple awarded watson with an apple design award apple definitely knew about this app and uh and then in os 10.2 jaguar in 2002 sherlock was brought to os 10 uh by apple and basically just completely ripped off Watson, including the UI, including the way that it worked, even some of like the weird, like cool kind of strange early OS 10 customizations that apps would do. Apple basically ripped it off. And uh, that's where the name Sherlocking comes from. Watson would later go on to be sold off to Sun Microsystems of all people and just uh, quietly die. But that's where it comes from. Apple had an app. They pivoted that app to go after a third party and killed the third party app. So that's where the term means. I don't think this happens very often in the modern era. Uh, the Sherlock Watson story is like definitely a blatant case of it, in my opinion. But now what we see is Apple moving into a category like task managers or note taking apps or journaling apps. And again, they build an app for the 80% of users. and they may take some users that are already paying for another app, but I don't think that happens very often. I think m mostly what happens is people who weren't using these types of apps at all are suddenly uh, interested or like suddenly realize, oh, this is a thing uh, that I could uh, that I could use, that I could uh, take advantage of, and then maybe they move from Apple stock app to a third-party, more powerful app. And so I don't think Sherlocking is as prevalent as it may seem because the word gets thrown around a lot, but that's kind of kind of what it means. That's the history of it. Yeah, and it's funny to me because 
the the interesting point that I think most people miss is Sherlock existed before Watson, right? Apple yeah. was in the category already, and the the Sherlock wasn't that they jumped into the category and took it over, which is generally what people do call Sherlocking today. That's <laughs> not what happened with Sherlock. Sherlock was already there, but they they really did kind of rip off all of Watson's features and. That was really the uh, the thing that got people mad, right? It's like, well, why would you give them a design award and then just like rip them off? And they can because they're Apple, right? Um, but you don't see that anymore. I feel like the way it's used now is when Apple gets into an existing category that they weren't yeah. before. Yeah. And uh, but you know they like you said they rarely Apple never goes in with like the power features, and no. I don't think they ever really intend to. No, I think a modern example. Like, say that WBC 24, Apple has a reminders update and they add um, perspectives, right? A, 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 a highlight keynote feature of OmniFocus. And, but they do it in the same way OmniFocus does it, right? Like the UI is similar, the concept's similar, they call it the same thing or something very close to it. That would be more akin to the original meaning of Sherlocking than there's no reminders app and suddenly there is. Agreed. And um, and I don't really view this as Sherlocking. Like I don't think, like you said, I don't think in you neither of us are going to be canceling our day one subscriptions. And there may be a few people, but I, I think ultimately day one and apps like day one are going to end up with more subscribers because of the existence of the journal app. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, so, uh, and and I don't think, honestly, most of the mature developers out there, when they see Apple come in the space, they don't freak out. Um, they they look at it as an opportunity, really. And uh, and I'm sure a lot of these guys, like day one, had the uh, journaling API incorporated in day one, the same day that the journal app got released. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. those guys aren't dumb. Yeah. Well, we've been talking around day one for a while. Let's Let's update everyone on day one. Yeah, so uh, in the press release for the journal app launching, there's a quote from Paul Main, uh, one of the founders of yeah. Day One. Uh, Day One, of course, part of Automatic now, uh, but I think Automatic's done a great job uh, as they normally do when they when they buy up companies. Yeah, but the the headline I think is that Day One is using the suggestions API that we talked about earlier. You've got to be on iOS 17.2, and uh, you got to update Day One. But it works basically the same way it does in the journaling app. So in day one, you start a new entry. And they've had a quick ad bar for a while now. It's like photos, templates, and now suggestions is there as well. And if you tap suggestions, it brings up the exact same UI as we saw in the journal app, where you have recommended and recent, and you can pick whatever you want at that point and only at that point does day one know about that content it works the same way as it does in the journal app that content gets brought into day one but at this point you're in day one land and you can do all the day one stuff so you can have it you know move it from one journal to another you can uh, adjust the metadata including time and weather you can do all of the things that day one does. And you mentioned a second ago, but I want to highlight it again. You can start an entry on day one on the iPhone with content from the suggestions API, sit your phone down, open up your MacBook air 
and and then expand on that entry if that's where you're more comfortable with writing. Once it's in day one, it's day one-ified and has all the, the properties that a, a normal day one entry has. It just that you can start if you want to from the suggestions that Apple's API provides. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned it. Uh, we're not going to go in deep on day one today because we did a whole show on it a few years ago. But the um, uh, they have been purchased by Automatic, and the the story behind that's interesting. The the one of the Automatic CEO, his dad was dying, and he started using day one through that process and found it very beneficial, and as it would be, and and he liked the app so much he bought it. But but I think of all the companies to buy an app like day one. I don't think I can think of anybody better than automatic because they're going to leave it, leave it generally. And, you know, just give it the financial support it needs to, to keep it going. It gives you kind of an assurance that the app's going to be there for a while. Uh, day one has an in-app purchase and that is not inexpensive, you know? I, yeah. It's 30, 35 a year for day yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, I, and, uh, but at the same time, like if you get into journaling, you can spend $35 pretty quickly on notebooks or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and, and day, day one does a good job. I, I am perfectly happy to pay it. I, I know a lot of people are upset with the subscription because they came in early and bought the app. I was like that too. I bought day one, probably on day one. And, um, but you know, if we want the app to stay in business, you got to allow them to make money. and <laughs> That's mm-hmm. the way you do it in the app business. So I, I think uh, I'm satisfied with it. And uh, if you guys really want a more in-depth show on how we use day one, let us know in the comments and and on the forums and we can plan a show around it. But today we wanted to, to, to focus on journaling and the journaling API and honestly talk about the thing we didn't the last time. And that's the alternatives to day one. Yeah. Um, I, I picked or uh, three, really, and then we're also going to talk about using PKM apps for this. Um, one that's come to my attention more recently is an app called Everlog. It's cross-platform, and on iOS, so on the iPhone, it supports the suggestions API. And it looks and works just like it does in Journal and Day One, because again, that is a, that is a system feature uh, that Apple is providing. Um, the app is definitely strongest on the iPhone. The Mac version uh, really feels like the iPad app and maybe not in the best the best way. Um, but it can import a bunch of stuff, including exports from day one. So I took one of my journals and exported it from day one and imported it into Everlog and it worked uh, worked perfectly. You can use it for free, um, but there is an in-app purchase of $20 a year. So it's a little bit less than day one. and the in-app purchase unlocks a bunch of stuff, including iCloud sync between your devices. So if you just wanted to use it on the Mac, uh, as far as I understand, you could use it that way. But again, the in-app purchase unlocks unlocks the sync. Um, and it is, uh, other than day one, I believe, uh, at least in my research uh, a few days ago, was the only other app that I found that was using the Suggestions API at this point. I'm sure others will adopt it. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe that's in the works now. But um, the uh, Devin, the developer behind Everlog, wrote a, a nice blog post about implementing it and with a bunch of screenshots, you can kind of see how it looks. There's also Mac Journal, which has been around forever. <laughs> Mac Journal is, is 
it was sold in boxes in the Apple store when I was a genius, like 15 or 16 years ago. It is. When I saw this, <laughs> when I saw this in outline, I just had a smile because I, I remember this app from like a long time ago. I, I'm looking at their website now. They got the Apple design award in 2002. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Same you year know? as Watson, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a Mac based journaling app. Yeah. And, you know, it does the thing, right? You can download it for free. You want to journal on your Mac. Uh, you are not going to get the same feature set that you get using Apple's journal app, but you also, you want to work on your Mac and it's, it's got a lot of metadata. I mean, it's, it could work. Yeah. Yeah. Out of everything we're looking at, it's definitely the creakiest. And I don't mean that to, you know, say anything bad about who's working on it. It's just, it's been around a long time and, and it shows. Um, it's also changed hands a couple of times, I think. And they're looking at getting the, there, there was an iOS app and now there's not, they're looking at bringing that back in with syncing, but it is, it is definitely an option if you're Mac focused. And I, I will say, uh, cause I tried all of these, the import feature basically barfed when I pointed it at a day one export file, it pulled in title entries and dates, but no content in the entries. And so that, that was a little disappointing. Uh, but again, like this app is older. It doesn't seem to get the most frequent updates. Um, but that was my experience with it and, and testing it for this episode. And I, and I would say in fairness, if you're using day one, you are very unlikely going to be moving to Mac journal. No. I, I just don't see that. So yeah. I think it's a thing that's a starting place. If you want to get started on a free app and you want to just do it on the Mac, I would check it out. And the fact that it's still under active development is a good sign. I mean, they've kept it alive this long. I don't think there's any sign it's going to just disappear. But I I am very biased. I'll, I mean, I just want to be honest. I, I The 35 bucks to me a year to day one to have, you know, their modern feature set and all that support, it, to me, is a no-brainer. But mm-hmm. It's not for everybody, so that's how we're trying to cover some of these. The the, the the last one you had added, I think, is a fascinating app. We've never talked about it on the show, but Moleskin, you know, the notebook company, has these these apps. They have a calendar and and this app called My Day, um, or Moleskin Journey, I believe. Um, it's um, it's it's just an interesting app. It looks so different. It's so opinionated. The UI is wild in this app. Like it is, it is its own thing. Uh, and I really mean that mostly in the best possible way. Like, yeah, it's a journal, but it's also a planner. But you can also bring in like calendar events and notes and reminders and like cross link between all of those things. It's a trip, you know, it is. But I, I, I like the typography. I, I feel like there's some parts of it that are good. Like there's somebody with a design aesthetic behind this who has an opinion. Yeah. And it either works for you or it doesn't. But it also, because I, I actually bought a year of this a few years ago when I was just looking at all the options out there. But it, it did, sometimes it, it wasn't entirely right for me. Like sometimes it would just do funny things. And I'm not even going to call them bugs so much as just odd behaviors. Mm-hmm. And it never really stuck with me. And, uh, yeah. But it is very pretty, I think, in my opinion. I, I like the it design is. of it. It's uh, it's thirty bucks a year. It's one of those apps, kind of like Agenda. I'll have a link to Agenda in the show notes too, where it's like you can kind of combine calendar and notes and projects, kind of into the, all kind of into the same thing. Uh, if that's what you want, 
then Moleskin Journey and Agenda are like two of the best games in town for it. But yeah, not not for me. But I, I know people who use it, like you know, um, friends online who swear by it. So it definitely has a following. Yeah, and it's it's just such a different look. And I think for some people, the look is enough to get them in the door. Oh yeah, I think so too. The uh, they got a year out of me because I just wanted to to play with it because it was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, another way a lot of people do journaling these days uh, is through uh, PKM software. And the two big ones, I think, right now are Obsidian and Craft. Uh, I would recommend, if you want to do this, to do it in Obsidian and use Obsidian's sync service because Obsidian has end-to-end encryption built in. But there's a there's a strong case to be made for digital journaling via PKM. I actually did one, one of the experiments I did a few years ago when I first got you know uh, infected with Obsidian disease was... I stopped using day one for three or four months and did all of my journaling in Obsidian just because it, it can do it. And I wanted to turn it into my journal too. And, uh, and honestly, it wasn't good enough for me. Like it, mm-hmm. like all the, the cool features in day one there, Obsidian doesn't have them. It's not a journaling app. It's, it's a notes app that I turned into a journaling app, but there are things about that. I like, like the linking, like, uh, in my kind of productivity system, you'll, which you'll hear about next week there's a lot based on what I call roles and arete and like I could link those in an obsidian journal and they would automatically backlink to all the other entries that involve them. It gives you a lot of ways to see your data. And I know a lot of people, Mike Schmitz, uh, my co-host over on the focus podcast does all his journaling in obsidian and he's built like special tools into it. Like he has one, uh, Steven, like when you open your journal page, it shows you, how much time you have left before you die. I don't, I don't need that every day. He, fig- he figured it out. You know, it's just like, well, you know, it's using the, you know, the average lifespan and how yeah. old are you now? And it, yeah, like, yeah. But, but, you know, I mean, the idea of memento mori and keeping, being aware that you're not going to be here forever. A lot of time is a great way to make sure you do the important stuff today. So I, I get it. And I, I'm not making fun of him for it. I think it's kind of cool, but, I don't need that either, but you know, that that's the kind of thing you can do when you journal in an app like obsidian, you can really craft the experience mm-hmm. around what you want. And I, I think that's, that is not a bad solution. I know we have a lot of listeners that are deep in obsidian. And if you don't want to pay 35 bucks a year to day one, and you want a journal, go ahead and set it up there and, and try it for a while. Maybe that's good enough for you. You know, you can add pictures. There's a lot of stuff you can do, but, but it's not a journaling app. And uh, I generally fall in favor to use best in breed apps. I, you know, I spend a lot of money every year on app subscriptions and whatnot, because I want the best in breed of everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you compare how much I spend on apps versus other things, it's not really that bad. So uh, that's, that's my choice, but it could work. Craft, uh, on the other hand, they don't have an end to end encryption. So I, I feel like that's a big downside to craft as a journaling tool, just like notion and some of these other tools that they're using cloud-based data storage and with no end encryption, I feel like as a journal, that's a, that's a big negative for me. Uh, but you know, everybody make your own grown up decisions on stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, you could also use Apple notes. I mean, you, you don't need a fancy app if you want to get started journaling. However, now that Apple is giving us a free journal app, I think, it'd be really hard to go to something just because it's free when you've already got a very good solution from Apple. 
I agree. Uh, I think there was an argument to be made of like just open an Apple note, put the date at the top and start writing. But the journal app changes all that for me. And I, I think at this point, it's silly not to take advantage of the specific features that Apple's designed and that the or the or these third party developers have designed for journaling. So yeah, the days of like having a long Apple note or like a Word document or something, uh, I think it's time to move on from that and use something a bit more specifically crafted for for the use case. Yeah. And I, I mentioned at the beginning analog journaling. I don't want to just dismiss that. There are a lot of people who have a very healthy journaling practice with analog journals and are proud of the line of books on their shelf of all the journals over the years. And if that is what it takes for you to journal, then I think you should do that, you know, issue the digital tools and just get yourself a book and start writing it. That's there's nothing wrong with that. Um, uh, I, I seriously considered it for this year, but ultimately decided against it because I am so digitally hip, right? I like dictating entries. I like the, the features I get from a digital journal and the the use I have for a journal uh, is really something that is self-facing. So I don't really feel like I need to have the books on the shelf. And I, um, I also do think there's a risk with um, analog journaling because I, I was, as we were prepping for the show, like I said, I did the bullet journal method course, which I think would be, if you were going to do an analog journal, I would seriously look at some of those videos. They've got some of the free ones on the, uh, on on YouTube, uh, the ones from Ryder Carroll are the ones I'd recommend. He's the guy who came up with the whole thing to begin with. And then if you want, they have a course. I think that's a very practical way to do an analog journal. Um, but if you watch the the videos of people that are that are promoting analog journaling, some of it feels to me a little like precious, you know, like, yeah, like, you know, people who want to, um, I don't know, smoke a pipe and you know, wear a, a jacket. Right. And like, I, I feel like there's like a thing to it. Like some people do these analog journals, like they're like, they think they're Marcus Aurelius, hmm. you know? And the, the joke is Marcus didn't want to share his journal. So he wrote it down. Cause that was the only method you had back then. But my guess is he probably would have used day one if it was available to him. But the, um, but that, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a slippery slope with analog journaling that can get you in trouble. But uh, the flip side is I think for some people, digital journaling is hard because they're working on computers all day and they don't want to journal there. They want to sit somewhere else with a pen and paper and they, they feel like the process of writing it out allows them to be more, you know, thoughtful. And if that's you, then do that. It's fine. Yeah, totally fine. Something I didn't say at the beginning, I wish I had was I feel like to me, the, the biggest benefit of journaling is the moment of journaling to me. Like I get my money's worth in the time that I write the journal and I get the insight right at that moment. It's like, I write it down like, Oh yeah, look, you're really thinking about this a lot. Maybe you need to solve that problem. Um, like I was looking at, I've been writing so much in my journal about dealing with customer support email. I'm like, okay, I gotta like solve this. This is a problem that's ongoing with me for months now. And so I'm going to look into solutions for that. And, that is, you know, that's the benefit of the journaling. Like years later, I can go back and read that and that'll be great. And sometimes it's fun to see them. But for me, the payoff is in the moment of journaling. To that extent, it really doesn't matter what tool I use. Like if I used a yellow legal pad and a Bic pen, I would still get the payoff. 
you know, but I'm just looking for efficiencies in the process. So that's, uh, that's journaling in 2024. Lots of great options. Uh, I'm glad Apple's moved into this space and I think it will, uh, hopefully mean more people can take advantage of this. Cause I, I know for both of us and for a lot of people we've talked to, it can mean a, uh, it can mean real difference, uh, in your life. And I would say if you haven't tried the, uh, the Apple app, give it a shot. Uh, you, you might be really pleased with it. Yeah. And just try to journal, you know, like you know, using the, the broad outline of what we talked about today, think about why you would want to do it and just try it. We're in January. This is a great opportunity to, to try and pick up a new habit and, uh, don't beat yourself up over it. Do it when you can and, and see what insight you get out of it. I feel like the payoff comes pretty quickly if you start journaling. Yeah. Thank you to our sponsors today, 1Password and NetSuite. We are the Mac Power Users. If you are a subscriber to More Power Users, we're going to talk about two years of Indie Sparky uh, today. And that uh, More Power Users is where you get the ad-free extended version of the show. Uh, regardless, Happy New Year, everybody. And uh, good luck in 2024.